They'd shot a 10-year-old, a 10-year-old child. Killed at the hands of these monsters. Where's UNICEF? I'm Nicole Behnam, and my first guest is Tara Grammy, an Iranian-Canadian actress, writer, and producer who has been using her voice and platform to bring attention to the dire situation happening in Iran. The Iranian people versus the Islamic Republic, a revolution led by women, the first of its kind. Tara, my first question is, why is this so different from every other time we've seen um, we've seen a, pro- a protest or uh, or people calling out the Islamic Republic? First of all, thank you for having me. Hi. Thank you for being here. Um, look, I think what really makes it different is, first of all, the internet. Now, I think people are at the end of their ropes. Like, that's actually what I should talk about. Like, this yeah. is, there have been, every other uprising has kind of led to this moment. And... People are tired, and also I think not only is it a women-led revolution, but it's also very much been powered by Gen Z who grew up with the Internet and seeing what the rest of the world is like. So there's this drive to make a change because they know they, they won't have a future if they don't. And also I think I love that point that you brought up. I think they know what the Internet is capable of. Absolutely. Because we saw what happened with George Floyd and we saw what happened in so many other instances where people spoke up and then we saw change. And if the Internet wasn't a big deal, then why is it the first thing that they cut off? Yeah, That's exactly. That's the first thing they exactly. do as soon as there's an uprising, they cut off the Internet. So they know the power of it. But they can't cut it off entirely, although they threaten to all the time and they still might um, because of the economy completely shutting down. I mean, so many businesses, even in Iran, are run Operating. through the internet. Yeah. yeah. So um, we'll see what happens. But I think those are the two things. I think it's Gen Z. I think people are just tired. Honestly, people are just at the end of their rope. I think people just need regime change now. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to bring up was, you know, we see so many people calling out politicians, calling out the media, mm-hmm. you know, you're not covering this enough. And even though they, you know, they have been a little bit more recently, yeah, for sure. they're not covering it up enough. But the other the other thing that I was going to say was, is social media more powerful than traditional media right now? Absolutely. Because think about it. All of the posts that we see going viral, and even when, like, you see when Angelina Jolie posts. Yeah. Do you see how many comments that and, and likes it gets? Yeah. It's yeah. insane. It's more than she gets on her own if it's just a photo of her looking hot. Yeah. And absolutely. that's powerful. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the other thing that I think about a lot is every time there's a situation like this, you have people who are like, oh, well, you're just virtue signaling. Mm-hmm. You ever hear that? Uh huh. You know? Yeah. I was thinking about it. And in this case, I'm like, I don't even give it. If that's why you're posting, I don't even, if you want a virtue signal and you want to get clout off the fact that go for it, yeah, go for it. You will get clout. You will get followers. Iranians will get behind you. you. Yeah. I'm happy for you. You did the right thing. Yeah. This is the reason to get clout. If anything. Absolutely. I really do not care about people's intentions. I don't care either. I just care that they're posting about it and they're, you know, touching 
as many people as possible. Yeah, I saw a post, um, a post of yours that I really liked about how you were talking to someone and you looked in their eyes and they didn't even care. Like you just saw that. And then you had another friend who was checking up on you, who's like, hey, is everything okay? And how that meant so much to you. You know, there's a lot of people out there who I'd say still don't even understand the gravity of what's happening. And it's no fault of their own, but you know, the media doesn't say enough. It, it kind of almost feels like we're fighting for ourselves. And then we have that the handful of celebrities and influencers who are posting about it, yeah. which definitely needs to increase. Mm -hmm. But if you are sitting across someone right now, I'm Iranian, but if you're sitting across from someone right now who literally is just deer in the headlights, has no idea what's going on, what would you say to them? I mean, first of all, I just want to, excuse me, comment on what you said, because I do think it is really hard in this society, which is kind of an individualist society that, you know, you're raised to only care about yourself and your immediate family and what's happening within kind of your orbit. Yeah. Um, it's hard to get them to care on a bigger scale. Um, we come from a tribal culture. Iranian culture is innately tribal. So we do, for whatever reason, really care about Iran. I mean, even people who grew up here their entire lives, I, I see their like need to, to take care of their people and they still have that that connection to their people. And I personally think it has to do with the fact that we're actually innately tribal, um, even if we were raised individualists because we were raised in the West. Yeah. But um, that being said, yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to because there is compassion fatigue. That that is a thing. I heard you talk about yeah. that with Chris Cuomo. Yeah, yeah. He mentioned it, and and I wish I'd answered it better, guys. It's okay. You can um, answer it I right can here. Answer it you can now. answer it right here. Okay. And and I just just for people who don't know, mm -hmm. um, compassion fatigue is what happens when there's so much going on in the world, and there inevitably is. There are so many injustices. There's so much going wrong. There are so many causes that you can get behind. So it's like, okay, now I'm tired. Why Iran? I mean, I can't convince someone to care about Iran. That's I feel I I've as your follower, I feel like you can. Oh <laughs> I'm God, <thank> just you. <laughs> Yeah, because I'll tell I'll tell you something else. Um even though I'm Iranian and I'm part of Iranian diaspora collective, you know, I was invited by Moj and it's I love what they're doing. We'll get into that, but even then I get a lot of my news from following people like you and my friend Behamin and Shali and all these people who post about Iran nonstop. Yeah. I'm not getting it from the news. I'm literally getting it from from you. So, yeah, yeah. so I feel like I know I'm Iranian, but I feel like you are making a difference. I, I mean, thank you. I hope so. That's what we're trying to do. I, me and all my friends basically just post constantly whatever we see that we think is relevant and try to amplify the voices of the people in Iran. But getting um, non-Iranians to care is a whole other thing, you know, like. So what I want to say about it that I wish I'd spoken about better is. Um, we have to touch the part of someone that relates to what's happening in Iran. 
we we have to care as non as Iranians. We have to care about their causes in order to get them to care about ours. Yeah, we have to be a community that you know cares about. I don't know the LGBTQ plus struggle about um, black people in America about just anything else that Americans care about. We have to care about it to get them to see that we have something for them to care about too. Yeah. You know, I tweeted I tweeted that and it went viral. Something like that. So your sentiment was is actually like deeply felt by other people. Yeah, I think I think it is really important to be um, compa- to give compassion in order to receive compassion. And look, this is a human rights struggle and it's happening right now, today. People like you and me are being killed. You and me, that's someone who's non-Iranians watching right now or listening to right now. They're actually being killed on the street for using their basic human right to protest. If that does not outrage you, I don't know how else to reach you, you know? It's it's the fact that these violations are so insane. Kids are, they shot a 10-year-old, a 10-year-old child. Where's UNICEF? The, the, the amount of brutality and violence that's happening, the injustice that's that's happening is is unprecedented in my eyes. In, in this in in this society right now so if I can't if I can't touch that part of a person that that part of their compassion I mean hopefully maybe they'll share it with a friend that can be compassionate towards you know it. I love what you said and I it makes me think about okay what do other people care about mm-hmm. right and so I see people posting about patriarchy and misogyny okay Ma'am. Yeah. And then I see people posting about people like Andrew Tate, get him offline. Mm -hmm. I see people posting about women's reproductive rights and Mm -hmm. women deserve rights. Yep. And and a few years ago, that women's march. Yeah. So if you care about all those things, where are you now? Absolutely. And where the f*** are you now? That's how I feel. Yeah. And... I remember going to the Women's March, and I remember I actually got stopped by an Iranian woman. Yeah, on the way. She wasn't going to the protest. She was in her car. And she goes, what are you fighting for? You have everything. And at the time, I was like, what is she talking about? Now looking back, I'm like, oh, that's what she's talking about. Yeah, Because yeah. we... Because compared to Iran, we have everything. Yeah, absolutely. We have, we everything. have everything. But again, peop- the powerful thing about this is it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. Everything that you fight for in America on the conservative side, freedom of speech, on the liberal side, women's rights— Everything is covered right here in Iran. All of it. Everything that you're fighting for. This is a humanitarian crisis. That's it. That's it. Bottom line, like there, this goes beyond being a woman. This goes beyond beyond anything other than our common humanity. This is a humanitarian crisis. The three there, there's like um, the Declaration of Human Rights, right? Yeah. 
which are, fuck, I forget them right now. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, and you can also look up stuff on your phone. I made, oops, I made a speech about this at a, at a, um, at a high school. I saw that. That, not that one. I made another, <laughs> oh, another one, one about, um, the uh, human rights are like, hold on. Right here, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights by the United Nations. Um, the third, the third like declaration is everyone has the right to life, liberty, and security of person. There are no systems of security in place for the children of Iran. They are not safe at school. They are not safe in the hands of the police, and they are not safe in the government and they don't have internet access in order to you know appeal to the wider world they don't there's they're losing their lives so they their lives don't matter right and they're fighting for their freedom so they have no human rights not only they're fighting for their freedom they're going as far as saying we're willing to die for this. Oh my god, the worst video I've seen recently is this guy gets shot and he's dying. He's wailing and he's it makes me cry. Hold on. Cry. No. Uh -oh. No. <laughs> um he says John Amfada Iran. John Amfada Iran. My 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 life, you know, sacrificed for Iran. And you know, this is this is again a tribal culture. We they care about their country. That's true patriotism. Patriotism, and it's not about um, I don't know the monuments or whatever. What is a country? It's the love of your people. It's the love of your neighbors, your family, your friends, your society, your ancestors. Our ancestors are in that soil, you know, and so um, yeah, it's. That that's what they're fighting for. Yeah, and the fact that for 43 years it's been progressively getting worse and worse. I feel like you know more about that than I do. I mean, do. it's gotten better and worse and better and worse and better and worse, but it's really the through line has been the same. The, the violence and the brutality has been the same. Nothing is unexpected um, or surprising at the, hands of that, at the hands of that regime. When you hear about the rapes in the prisons... It's not surprising when you hear when they're like, oh, you know, that that whole controversy recently about the 15,000 people that were going to they were like 15,000 people are going to be executed. And everyone's like, no, they're not. They're just up for execution. And I made a video. Where I was like, but would it surprise you? Yeah. If they executed 15,000 people, 16,000 people, 100,000 people, would it shock you? Yeah. And, you know, you know what actually bothered me about that when I thought about it? You know, at first it was like people correcting themselves. It's like, oh, sorry, I posted some misinformation and some people took the post down. And I was like, I don't even care if that was inaccurate because it's such a possibility that you might as well just leave it up. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. That that's what that's how I felt about that. Um, the but other also fine. Like, let's say let's say you feel bad for posting it, whatever. My my issue is people coming at other people for posting things. Yeah. If I make a mistake and you don't like a po post that I posted, tell me, hey, I disagree with this. I might listen to you and I might not. I think us getting on each other for posting things is really silly in our community. But that's kind of just our an, our community yeah. conversation. Yeah. yeah. Let's not just start on the Iranians. <laughs> you know, the other thing. Um, that I get, because I'm also Jewish, mm -hmm. a lot of people will tell me, hey, 
you know, do Iranian Jews not care about this? And they do. Of course they of do. Of course they do. I just, I just wanted to make that clear here, how much we do care. I don't feel, I mean, I hear that. And, really? and it's Yeah, and it's, and it's untrue or they feel like, you know, we don't post enough or we don't do this enough or we... Wait, but how can you talk about an entire religious group and just put them in a category like that? Like it's, you know what it is? I'll tell you what I think happened um, just because I'm on that side of things. Yeah. So the Massa Amini thing happened. Mm-hmm. Um, she was, you know, killed at the hands of these monsters. And then all of a sudden, Kanye's making all these comments about mm-hmm. Jews. Mm-hmm. And for a brief moment, there was a sort of pause in in us posting about you know what's happening in Iran mm. and being like, hey, we need to condemn anti-Semitism. Yeah, absolutely. Which we also need to do. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but that was when I wrote that tweet where I was like, you know, non-Iranians standing up for Iranians and non-Jews standing up for Jews. And, you know, a straight white male, I don't know why that triggered people, standing up for, you know, LGBT pe- LGBTQ people. Um, that's really what it was. And so it was never that Jews didn't care. It's that Jews also had another issue. But yeah, as, an, as an Iranian Jew, I'll tell you, in, in all of these injustices that all of us are facing, the situation in Iran is dire and deserves so much attention. Um, there's this quote by Elie Wiesel, who's a Holocaust survivor, who says something to the effect of, and I'll find it and we can post it um, in the clip, but he says something to the effect of whenever there are people suffering and there, there are injustices being done to them in the world, the entire world needs to focus on that. Yeah, of course. I like mean, Martin Luther King said, "Yeah, um, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And yeah. I really, really, really believe that. Me too. If, if your people are not free, my people are not free. Because at the end of the day, we're the same people. We're yeah. all people. <laughs> yes, yeah. We forget that because we love to create division. We like, when I moved to L.A., I was telling you this. I'm from Toronto, and in Toronto, there's way less of a, well, I didn't really feel it growing up, um, different religious. Like, I didn't know. I just knew people as Iranian. I didn't know there were Iranian Jews or Iranian Muslims or anything. But I moved to L.A., and the first thing I would get asked is, are you Jewish? Everywhere I went. <laughs> and I was like, uh, no, but like, does it, like, does do it matter? Care? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a halfer. I like have, I like grew up with like strange, uh, my parents are, let's not talk about that. <laughs> um, but I was like, I'm not, no, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe in my bloodline I am somewhere. I don't yeah. know. Ne- never, I was raised very 23 and me wasn't out yet. Yeah. Actually I'm getting my results in a few days and I can't wait. It might be a Jew. Oh my God. Yeah. Let me know. Okay. I'll let you know for you. You'll be the first person I yeah. call if I am. Okay, perfect. Um, but but yeah, I was su- surprised by it because I was like, but now I kind of get it because I think Iranians that moved to L.A. came earlier on in the revolution and really had to build their identity and group together and be tribal. And, and you know, Jewish people are tribal and Iranians are tribal. And, you know, there, there have been so many atrocities against 
Jewish people in history and also Iranian Jews in Iran in history. So I, I get that. I get that kind of coming together. But right now, I think in this moment in time, the fight is for Jewish Iranians. It's for LGBTQ Iranians. It's for Baha'i Iranians. It's for anybody who's been discriminated against. Right now, Kurdish Iranians. There, there, there's a genocide happening yeah. in that region of Iran yeah. as we speak right now. So, you know, th- this is a fight for all Iranians. And um, I hope that we as a society in the diaspora can focus on that and stop dividing ourselves. Yeah, you know, um, as you speak, I think of Moj, who started Iranian Diaspora Collective, and I know she partnered with GoFundMe and, and is doing all this work and bringing us all together. When I met Moj, I knew she was Iranian, and I've talked to her about this, not a hint of Persian I felt in her, and she was not part of any part of Iranian society, and she talked about this in a Twitter space that I did with her, um, that it took this for her to feel so connected to Iranians, their culture, their music, the tribalism, the love, the passion, the art, all of it. And I was really moved when she talked about that. I was really moved when she talked about that. Yeah. Because I didn't see, I, I, I met her as an entrepreneur turned venture capitalist, and now I see her as you know, an LGBTQ Iranian woman who's fighting for everybody and bringing people together in this fight, in this revolution. And that moved me so There's much. There's so many people like Moj right now. And it's really yeah. cool to see people that are suddenly like, I was born in Iran. I was like, you were? I, I know. No, that's so interesting. I've been doing, I'm different. I've been doing almost exclusively Iranian content my yeah. entire career. That's Manige, always been, yeah, all of it, like all of all it. Of Everything it. I've ever done has been foreign about Iran and being Iranian and building a culture for Iranians in the diaspora. That's been really important to me. I'm someone who likes to have a cause in everything that I do. So, um, and it's not, that's not anything special. It's just like the way that I am as an artist. I like to have like the thing that I'm focused on. Yeah, but, so, al- but also Tara, what is it about Iranian culture that makes you feel alive? Cause that's the thing, that's like the light. That's like, that's what all of us know you as. You know, you're an actress, but I see you in, in Iranian films. Yeah. What is it about the culture? Can I tell you, it's, it's less about the culture than it is my identity as a human. Um, growing up, I hated being Iranian. I wanted wow. to be white so badly. Oh, me I too. My name. Oh, we all did. Nicole Benham, not Benham. Benham, yeah. <laughs> and Nicole, right? Is your own name Nicole or it, do you have a Persian it's name? Nicole. My middle name is Shirin. Okay. And then my last name is Benham. Okay. That's good. Um, <laughs> well, I wanted to be Tara Maria. What's, is, what's your real last name? Gerami. Wow. Well, I mean, it, that's still my real. I have, still, my stage name is Grammy because it's just easy. Yeah. The way that Grammy spelled is Red Jeremy. That's a whole other conversation. But yeah. um, I really hated being Iranian. I really wanted to be white. Why? And it because I wanted to fit in. Nobody looked like me in my school. Everyone was white, and I just wanted to be like the other kids. You know, I hated that. You know. 
I hated the f- Iranian taking Iranian food to school. My mom, I wanted a peanut butter and jelly sandwich more than anything in the world. And my mom was like, this is dessert. This is not a real food. Yeah. Who eats jam for bread lunch? Like, you know, so I just wanted to be normal for life. I wanted Cheerios for breakfast. Like I really wanted to be a normal Canadian kid. And you were getting Nuno Panier. Yeah. Yeah. I still like that too. But, too. but like <laughs> low key, I was like, I want, I want Cheerios. And my mom would be like, okay, fine. But I hated it. I hated being Iranian. And then as I grew older, I, I, we lived in Germany for a while, and that's where I kind of experienced racism for the first time. And Ooh. yeah. What was that like? Great place to experience racism. Wait, what was that like? What, what, how did you experience it? Um, in Germany, there is a lot of racism against Turkish people. And especially where I lived. Mm -hmm. So um, I was one day in school, this kid came up to me. I'll never forget that day. I was 13. He came up to me and I went to a very like British private school with a lot of very wealthy um, people from all over the world, but Germans, a lot of wealthy Germans. And he came up to me and he was like, hey, uh, do do you work at a kebab shop? And I was like, no, I'm 13. <laughs> no. And he was like, are you sure? Because I'm, I'm sure I've seen you somewhere. And I think it was at the kebab shop. And I'm like, no, you have the wrong person. Like, I'm 13. I don't work. Um, yeah. <laughs> he goes, oh, okay, you just look like all the girls that work at kebab shops. Not that there's anything wrong with working at a kebab shop. Right. But it was the first time I was like, oh, I'm the other to you. Oh, you don't see me as your equal. You see me as beneath you. And that changed everything. That that caused me to go into the question of, well, who am I then? Because I'm not them. And then I would go to Iran every summer and I wasn't Iranian in Iran because my family was like, you know, fix your accent. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, I was the, like, I don't anymore because of them and also because of my mom. But um, I was really confused about my identity. I wasn't Iranian in Iran. I wasn't Canadian in Canada. I wasn't German in Germany, you know. So um, it kind of caused me to explore who I am and, and my multinational identity. And, and the way that I was able to really find that is through creating Iranian characters and telling Iranian stories and, you know, educating other people about our culture and um, kind of and also criticizing our culture in some ways and, and finding the fun in that and and also the commonalities between like you and me, for example, like we probably had a completely different upbringings, but when I'm Manija, you're like, I know I'm Manija. Yeah, that yeah. is, I know exactly yeah. someone that's like that, you know? So it brings us together and it, and, and it educates other people and it also starts to build a multinational culture for us as Iranians in the diaspora. So that's always been kind of my thing. You know, Simple Wedding, I told you about as a film that... Oh, I watched it. Oh, did you watch yeah, it? Yeah, and what I met... What did you think? I loved it. And I met... Um, it was the one with Rita Wilson. Yeah. And Moz was in there. Moz was in there, yeah. Yeah, Moz mm-hmm. is a friend of mine. I mean, yeah, I watched it. <coughs> and, I, and I loved it. And I met the director? Other yeah, producer? Sarah Zandia. Yeah, I met her. Yeah, I met her at like... She's amazing. Uh, she's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I watched it. But... What are what are some things like off screen, I guess, that that you share with people 
about our culture? Like what, what do you think makes it special? We are a culture that loves art. We love celebrating. The, we love to be together and have a good time. You can't have three Iranians in a room and play music and not have dancing. True. That's not a thing. True. You know, and I'm not even like a dancey kind of person. I'm more of a singy type. I always want to sing. Can you do this thing? No. That uh, is one thing I cannot do. I'm really ashamed of it. Me too. I'm uh, dying you can't to learn. Do it. I, can't, I can't do it. My entire life, everyone's tried to teach me. I can't. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I think this our culture, like our food, the way that we enjoy food, our traditions, you know, Noru's, Yalda, we have all these beautiful traditions and they're based around poetry and music and art and enjoying and drinking wine. And like we have such a rich culture of togetherness that I'm so proud to have been raised with. It's and, and hospitality and kindness and generosity. We're raised with that. We're taught that from a young age. If somebody comes into your house, your food There's is cut their up fruit. Food. Yeah. The, I mean, your Always. food is their food, even if you have nothing. You know, if somebody, if a kid comes to my mom, I remember if I had friends who didn't have as many toys as me or whatever, she would just give my toys to my friends. Yeah. Give things to my friends, buy presents for my friends, take, you know, like we, that's just our culture. It's how we've, most of us have been raised. So how beautiful is that? How lucky were we to be raised with that? And I'm so sad that we kind of um, lose our appreciation for it when we grow up in the West because we just want to be like other kids, you know? But also it is kind of an individualistic society. Yeah, absolutely. I hate to say that, but it's like, you know, growing up as as an Iranian and also Jewish girl, Sorry. one of the first things that is constantly being asked of me is, are you married? When oh are you going to find some? I mean, in, you know, on one end, it's annoying mm -hmm. because it's like, I'll find that person when they're in front of me. But on the other end, I just think it's so beautiful that you know, families want to unify and be together and have kids yeah, and spend time right. with their kids and do all this stuff. It's like, that's what we grew up doing. Yeah, yeah. Totally. That's what we grew up doing. And yeah. to see, I'm sorry, but sometimes in American society, I feel like it's too much like be independent. You don't need anyone. Rely on yourself. And then you hear the statistics about loneliness and you're just like, yeah, I'm obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. So, I mean, that I love that about Iranian culture. Me I love too. I love that we rely on other people and can ask for help and And we do we help each other. We're there for each other. Again, this isn't a it, it's hard to make blanket statements because, you know, all Yeah, everyone are different, has but yeah. for the most part, I remember in college, this is a funny story. One of my cousins in Iran was in Iran. He's not anymore, but he's like my brother. And I was talking to him one day and I was complaining about my friend. I was like, I did this for her. I did that for her. And she, whatever. I was complaining. And he went, Tara, you need Iranian friends. You have <laughs> no Iranian friends because you're a certain type of friend and they can't be that for you. They were raised differently from you. And I was like, well, how do I find them? And he suggested that I make a sign and I stand in the engineering department at the <laughs> Did you do it? No. <laughs> I, I always imagine my, I always wish I had. So like for the sake of a good story, I'll say that I have. Yeah. 
and just stand in the engineering department at the University of Toronto, which is where I went to school, and be like, I'm Iranian, be my friend. <laughs> anyway, now I have only Iranian friends. Do you? No, no, I Most, have other friends have both. too. I have both, but have I do both. have a lot of Iranian friends now. That's amazing. Did you make them in LA? Yeah. 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 It's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's just different. It it's is. It's just different. I feel like we need a party together. I heard that, that improv will change your life. I mean, that's what everybody says. They're like, like you'll but get it. What was like, their life like before? I don't know, but it, it apparently helps you get into a flow into a flow state, which like it gets I, you out of your head. For yeah, sure. which yeah. I, I feel like because I'm Persian, I'm always in my head. Like, do you think that's because you're Persian? I, I think it's because I'm Persian and I'm Jewish because I grew up in an environment where my mom was always like, you know, and I'm just like, you know, I was just so. I just felt like I was getting input all the time. So I always was overthinking until I grew up and like, you know, found my voice and all of that. But I mean, I'm working on it. Yeah. I think therapy, I think meditation. Yeah. Because it gets you out of your head. And, uh, but improv, I mean, yeah, it's fun, but I don't know if it's going to like fix that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe the combination of the three. Yeah, if you say if you want, I don't know. <laughs> I think therapy. I mean, I um, love therapy. Uh, I've been in therapy on and off since I was twelve. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. congratulations. Thank you. I think that makes a lot of sense because you're a great person. Thank you. Um, you seem like you have it together. Uh, yeah, I think it's really important, especially because you know our, our parents grew up with their own trauma. There's so much trauma. Oh, there's so much trauma everywhere. I was actually just talking to. Mike and Chris about this. Um, they're doing inner child work, which apparently I need oh. to do too. Uh, so I see you're in, in your own revolution. Good. Well, but Tara, don't you love that that men are doing this? Like, I for the longest time I felt like women were the ones that were like going to therapy and doing the meditation and doing all this stuff. So like, this just makes me so happy. I think men will do anything to be better than women. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a joke. Um, no, that's <laughs> awesome. I mean, I think, yeah, that's that's really great. I think society doesn't uh, allow men to explore, it hasn't created an environment for men to explore their inner workings as much as women have been allowed to. So, 100%. Yeah, so I think it's really cool when men do. Yeah, I love it. Great that. job, guys. I hope you find nice wives or husbands <laughs> after this. I hope it helps you to procreate if you like. So Which I'm is the point of life, according to Iranians? Yes. Just in case that only wasn't clear. procreation, <laughs> only. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Bache, These are jokes. Bache Dari. No, I have. I just have a dog. Wait, but you're married, no? Yeah, girl. Is, I mean, I don't know when that happened, but congrats. It happened three years ago. Is he Persian? Yes. Wow. I never wanted to date. A Persian guy. Why? Because I've had one experience, which was an absolute shit show. Um, Can we talk about it or no? I mean, sure. <laughs> I mean, talk about it. I don't. We I don't mean, there's nothing to say other than I had one experience where I was lied to, and you know, um, two timed, and played with. 
and I was young and it really affected his, because when someone's Persian and you feel like you've had a similar upbringing, there's like a sense of intimacy that's very different from dating other cultures. Yeah. So um, it really hurt me. And he kind of strung me along for a really long time. And um, it was just a really unfortunate thing that made me go never again. Oh, yeah. Literally until yeah. I met my husband, it was never again. So was your husband the guy that just made you get over that completely because he was so amazing? Okay, it's weird because when I met him, um, I really wasn't like wanting to date. I was over it. We just made a simple wedding and I was just over it. And uh, we went to, we were set up on a blind date and there was, it's so weird. I didn't want to see a picture of him before because I can be really shallow and I didn't want to be. Yeah. That's, it's a problem. I get it. I get it. And I realized at a certain point that I need to stop going for pretty boys because this is turning into a dating podcast. No, no, but you know but what? Like, I know it. We what need this. We need to this right too. Now. We need this too. Yeah. I mean, I, I was like, I need to stop dating pretty boys because especially in LA, there's like an ego thing that's just doesn't work for me eventually with the pretty boys or like the musicians. Um, basically the male ego is not like my fave. But anyway, so when I met him, I was really over everyone. I went on the date because I was like, fine, I was fine. Okay, blind date, fine. Somebody wanted to set us up. It's a long story. But anyway, yeah, it was really weird because when I sat down and I looked at him and I didn't, wa I didn't even wash my hair to go on the date. Yeah. Like I just put it in a ponytail because I really did not think anything. Yeah, yeah that's where you were at mentally. You were just like, it's yeah, not. this is not not what I want right now. But I just looked at him and I was like, oh, OK, well, that's what my kids eyes are going to look like. Wow. It was the weirdest thing. And I'd never had thoughts like that before. I'd never. I never thought that ever. And I'd never even really thought what my wedding would be like. Like, I just wasn't that kind of person. I was very, like, career, career, career. Yeah. But um, immediately I was like, oh, okay. Well, I'm going to marry you one day. It was so – and it, it was the same for him. And you felt the attraction and you're like, he's – It was more than an attraction. It's like See, a this is what I need to hear and what my friends need to hear. <laughs> because, because so many girls struggle with this. Yeah. Oh, and the male ego thing, like, that's a real thing. I mean, I'm sure men feel that way towards like sure. female yeah, ego as well. It's, it goes both ways, but male ego's worse. Sorry, guys. <laughs> they know. They all nod it. See, these are these are progressive men. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're in therapy. Yeah, so they're they're working on themselves. Lead leadership. Lead the way. Lead the way, baby. What was it called? Leaders in transformation. Yeah. Who? Oh, Steve Harvey. I don't know why, but I thought you said. Lee Harvey and you're like who's like, that huh okay you know Oswald? what do you know That's I watch Steve Harvey's videos to inspire myself I'm not even kidding he's great he's I read so his dating good. book at one point he's so good yeah I mean he's a little a little bit old school but I mean but some whatever. of that some of that works some okay works. so I want to get sorry. I want to get back to this okay because this is the this is the other thing that plagues me because mm -hmm. I understand the whole like you know dating attractive guys and all that like obviously there has I, to be an attraction yeah no a hundred percent but thing, sometimes it doesn't look the way you I think we when we put sorry limitations on ourselves that this is what I'm attracted to 
we're closing the door to so many things. And I think being super open-minded and just waiting for that connection is exact. Like my husband looks nothing like the guys I dated before him. He's Persian, but there's no one I've ever felt that way for. But I see, I like that you felt that in the first place because yeah. this is where I get thrown off every time is that when I go out with someone and I don't feel it, I don't feel it. You felt it. I'm in, I go out with someone, I don't feel it. And the advice that I get is keep going. It'll grow on you. It has, Tara, it has never grown on me. You know in your gut. Thank you. Thank you. I say go on the day. Yeah. If there's something there but not everything. Keep going. Give it, give it another one. Yeah. And then if by the third day you're, you're really like, don't waste your time and don't waste their time. That's I my, agree. That's, I, but also I think there's so much pressure that we put on ourselves to like date. That's yeah. really unhealthy too. Like focus on who you are and what you want and it'll just come. I really do believe that with everything. I believe it too. Everything comes in the time that it's meant to come in your life. I you believe You just kind of have to release it. Yeah. I really, I, I do believe that. And I've seen that happen for so many people. And like every time you're down on yourself, you just have to remind yourself that, especially women, 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 I feel like have so much pressure to find someone by a certain age that it just, it, it causes self-esteem issues. I've seen like, I've seen my friends get so down on themselves. I mean, I, I am luckily surrounded by amazing people that don't ask me these questions all the time and that like I put hard boundaries with my parents but that's if I awesome. did yeah but if I didn't I would be down in the dumps too I mean that's that's just a reality of society but so are so many other things you know we choose what we give our focus and attention to we choose where we put our energy we choose what energy we let into who we are into our life into our psyche we choose it if I'm going to, if I was going to allow it, I would have had like five kids by now. You know, I've been married for three years. Yeah. Like this is, the clock's a tick in, <laughs> you know, but it's hard. It does hurt. You know, I, I was recently told something by a family member that really hurt me for a really long time. It, but I allowed it to go into my psyche and my what brain. What was it? Um, uh, I got a job. I'm, I'm going to DC for uh, work. I'm going to do a play and yeah. my, I come from the theater. I studied theater. So I'm really excited to do theater again. It's like work for my soul. Yeah. I'm making like $17, but <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke. Um, but it's, it's not, really you 18. don't do theater for the money. You know, you do it for, for, you know, like be, I'm an yeah. actor. And, um, I was told that it's really gonna, like, this will ruin my relationship and I've got to choose between work and my husband. And it really got me. It really got me because I was like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, huh? But then I realized, I guess there's a part of my brain that that doubts myself and doubts my work. And I'm letting this person's voice get into that. And when they're close to you and their family and you want their approval and you want their support, it hurts. You know, it really hurts. But eventually I realized my husband's like more excited about it than I am. You know, because he loves me so much and he supports that, me so much. That was my next question. How does your oh husband my God, feel my about husband it, though? My husband is so excited that I'm doing a play. It's going to be hard, but 
that's life. That's really, if I didn't do the play, that would make my relationship harder, actually. Yeah. Because would, I would resent it. Yeah, you would feel resentment. Exactly. This is like what my soul's work, you know? And, yeah. And so I think also, like, there's a clear distinction between our the old school mentality of our families and the way that we were raised in the progressive society that we were raised in. It's very different. How we were raised even by our parents is different from how they were raised. Oh, you know? yeah. So it's just a, we just have to take everything with a pinch of salt and 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 really pick and choose what we let affect us emotionally. Yeah. But that being said, it's hard. It's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Um, our culture is is similar to ver- to other immigrant um, cultures Yeah, in the way that, you know, there were a lot of arranged marriages between our parents and grandparents and all that. People were not married, marrying for love. It was very transactional. Yeah. So it's like for the first time we're going out there and getting to know ourselves and fixing our traumas and going to therapy and then deciding, like, who do I want to align with? that accepts me the way that I am and celebrates me and is there for me versus what roles do we play in each other's lives, you know? And that's that's the difference between our generation and our parents' totally. generation. Totally, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to the Iran stuff. Sorry. Hard, hard tangent. Sorry, hard, hard <laughs> tangent. Um, but that was helpful too. I mean, it's... Our culture, I feel like, is very relatable. Um, there was a a couple things that I can you hear me? Um, a couple things that I read that really made me think. One was this Christopher Hitchens quote that my friend sent me. Um, he said. The cure for poverty has a name. In fact, it's called the empowerment of women. If you give women some control over the rate at which they reproduce, if you give them some say, take them off the animal cycle of reproduction to which nature and some doctrine, religious doctrine, condemns them, and then if you throw in a handful of seeds, perhaps in some credit, the floor of everything in that village, not just poverty, but education, Health and optimism will increase. It doesn't matter. Try it in Bangladesh. Try it in Bolivia. It works. It works all the time. Name me one religion that stands for that or ever has. And I was so moved by that because... Christopher Hitchens is the guy that hates God. I, I, don't, right? even, I don't even know. Let me look him up. Yes. He might, he might hate God. I still love the quote. <laughs> no, no. It's okay that he hates God. Yeah, it's, it's, like a, it's okay. I think he's the heavily atheist one right but yeah is he the atheist guy yes he is everyone everyone looked hates it up god he hates god but he loves women so i just want to give him credit there i'm kidding i'm joking <laughs> um but yeah that was really powerful for me to read because um i really think that women having power forget i mean we're fighting for basic Human rights. Basic this isn't human about women. rights. This is this about humans. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but but we're fighting for that. But it's like to to elevate women in these positions, you know, in these positions of power, to make choices, um, to be to be uh, in high positions in government um, and in businesses and and family and just all sorts of roles. 
how much if you look at societies that have that, the way that they thrive? I mean, look, in the beginning of time, men and women were equal. I mean, this doesn't come the idea of Adam and Eve, all that stuff. So that's, you know, patriarchy. If you look at the history of patriarchy, it wasn't always like this, where men and women were equal. Actually, sometimes, you know, there were there were matriarchal societies where women had more power than I didn't know that yeah absolutely you can you can look it up I'm not a historian I'm not an anthropologist I don't know but it's good to know but but the truth is this has been patriarchy is has you know been created and so it's something we created and of course of course progression is of course equality between men and women duh like I I don't know why we're even still having this conversation of course women should have the same rights as men of course women should be in the same places in society as men are duh like that, that's not even a question if you have any kind of prog- a progressive way of thinking of course you think that way yeah like yeah women should be able to choose what they want in their bodies. Duh. Like, duh, really. Like, it is such a duh thing to me. Yeah. That, you know, that's why sometimes I'm like, huh, why are we even talking about this? Of course, yes, Mr. God-hating Christopher Hitchens. (laughs) What is it, Hitchens? Christopher Hitchens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hitchens. Yeah, of course. Um, And, but, you know, because it hasn't been like that, it is very powerful to see these women, you know, the, the, the hijab, the wearing the scarf on their head has been the, the visible form of oppression by the Islamic Republic for 43 years. It's a symbol of their control of the people of Iran. And now these women are burning them in the streets. They're going to prison and they're getting raped in prison, systemically raped in prison. Yeah. There's a report on it uh, that Christian Amanpour did on CNN today that you can see. This is a thing. It's a fact. And yet they're still doing it. They know the consequences and they're still doing it. Tell me if you've ever heard something more brave than that. Men are getting killed on the streets every day in Iran. Every day they're getting killed unarmed men and they're still going every day every day tell me if that's not bravery so this is this is about the rising of brave people and yes if you give women rights of course society will flourish happy wife happy life right that's something they say all the time all the time well yeah because all humans around each other should be happy and feel fulfilled and feel like they have control of themselves and they're not oppressed that's just humanity. That's exactly. how all humans want to feel, man or woman, you know? So, yeah. And then also the Iranian thing, again, I keep going back to this is about just being human. And also the bravery of the, these people and, and the amount of oppression that it's taken for them to get to this point. A hundred percent. Did um, that make sense? It did make Thank sense. Thank you. It did make sense. The other thing that I wanted to say... Um, you know, a lot of times when I see posts about this stuff, I look through the comments mm-hmm. always. Mm-hmm. And there's always someone in the comment section in the comment section who's like, Well, what about the women in Afghanistan? <sighs> well, what about the women in India who don't even have the right to wear a hijab if they wanted to? Mm-hmm. And um it reminds me of this I, I saw Naval Ravikant um 
who's you know a thought leader, big investor, founder of Angelus, he he tweeted, "If the Iranian protesters win, they don't just liberate a country; they liberate a culture." Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what it made me think of. It's like you know, anytime I see a comment like that, I'm like, I'm like, okay, yeah, they they deserve they they deserve freedom too. Let's start with one place. This is a dire situation. And it'll cause a ripple effect. Of course, everything does. Yeah. Even Ukraine right now, the way the Ukrainians have been fighting for their country has affected the way Iranians are fighting for their country. If women in Iran are liberated, if the people of Iran are liberated, that's going to cause women in Afghanistan. It's going to empower them to be liberated. It's going to make them not be as scared. You know, intersectionality is really important. Your struggle is my struggle. Again, it goes back to this thing of compassion. Like... If 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 we win, you win. everyone wins. Yeah. We're we're all winning. Again, we're all human <laughs> beings. I don't know how I repeat that so many times in day, and I think about it so much because I'm just so tired of seeing us as different. We're not. We're not. We're just people. Yeah. Um, I'd imagine because you post so much about Iran, you probably get a ton of messages. Um, a ton of people reaching out to you. Yes. Um, probably most Iranian or no? Mostly Iranian, yeah. Mostly a Iranian. A lot of Iranian, yeah. Have you, you know, the Iranians are always saying, be our voice, be our voice, yeah. be our voice, because mm-hmm. they don't have internet access and who's going to tell the story if yeah. not us? But, um, so, I, you know, on that end, I'd imagine gratitude. But do does anyone who's not Iranian ever message you and say anything to you? And what's, oh, yeah. and what's that like? Yeah, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, my God, I didn't know about this. Thank you so much for posting about it. I came across I, I did this rap video. Do you remember yes. that? Yeah, yes. Yeah, in the beginning of all of this, a couple months ago, there was this viral TikTok thing that was happening. It's like a TikTok challenge where people were like, one thing about me is blah, 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 blah. And I wrote a thing about Iran because I was like, oh, I can can reach the youth like this. (laughs) And I did. I reached the youth. And um, TikTok's been amazing for non-Iranians, for a non-Iranian audience because it reaches everyone all over the world. And so there have been so many non-Iranians that are like, wow, I had no idea this was happening. I just went and looked up what you told us to look up. This is crazy. This is terrible. I'm going to amplify this. I'm going to, you know, post it. And so there's been a lot of that momentum and nothing makes me happier. Like I've sat and cried reading my TikTok comments. Yeah. Actually sat and cried because it feels so good when non-Iranians care when non-Iranians see us as human, like it really feels really good. So there's been a lot of that. I've gotten very few negative comments from non-Iranians. Yeah, um, that's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Because, I mean, obviously I see stuff too, but because you're just posting so, so, so much, I just wonder what the reaction is from non-Iranians. And it's crazy, even now as as we're recording this, I would imagine there are non-Iranians who still don't, know what's going on and who still don't understand the gravity of the situation and the importance of speaking up, speaking out, putting pressure on our politicians, the media, people in power, etc. Doing a whole thing about Oh yeah, I saw that. This is, it's incredible. This pressure is working. The world is actually, and the more pressure you put on these people, the more likely they are to stop. Oh, a hundred percent. The other thing that I really like is I've seen 
owners of like meme accounts mm-hmm. starting to post about this stuff. Yeah. Um, there's this guy, I believe his name is Tommy, who runs Quentin Quarantino. Have you seen that page? That's familiar. I, he's always posting about Iran. And That's I awesome. message him and I'm like, thank you. That's amazing. And his, hundreds of thousands of of likes and comments and engagements. Uh-huh. Did you see um, the video Max Amini put out where he's like, he's like, you know, I know there's a lot of people that think entertainers shouldn't perform and that people shouldn't celebrate and all the focus should be on Iran. And he goes, we need to stop shaming each other. Yeah. We need to, how do you feel about that? I mean, I think of the people in Iran scrolling their Instagram and getting so excited when they see people caring about what's happening in Iran and posting about Iran. And I imagine how hard it must be to see someone in LA just partying, you know? Yeah, that's a hard one because it's also like, you know, let's take Max, for example. He puts on a, a comedy show. All yeah, but he talks about Iran. Exactly. And all that's what I was. That's the thing. We're not doing that. There, yeah. There's very few singers exactly. and performers that aren't talking about Iran right now. Everyone's They're, doing everyone's it. Everyone's doing Emmy it. The Emmy concert. Yes. The Gugush you know, concert. All of them. And, yeah. All of So it doesn't, it actually doesn't bother me. I me think neither. it's better because they're amplifying the voice 100%, of Iranians. 100%. 100%. So that's, that's why I, I agreed with Max when yeah, I saw I that. I agree too. When I saw that video. The other thing I wanted to say was, um, I was at, I'm sure you've been to many of the protests. The one in downtown. Yeah. I mean. That was incredible. Oh, my God. It was unlike anything. When everyone's saying Baraya. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was amazing. I'm actually going gonna, under that tunnel. Do you remember? Yes. And but, but when we when we finally got to the end yeah. and the flags were waving and yeah. everyone was singing. Yeah. Oh my, and I was there with my mom and people well, were there with their families. Yeah. And I was just blown away. I'm going to have them actually play it on the podcast I have I have the clip of it oh awesome that you know here's the thing about protests it's gonna sound weird but they kind of remind me of concerts because for a brief moment you don't know who's who you don't know uh, where someone lies politically you frankly just don't care yeah and you're all there fighting for one thing your emotions are in the same place Everyone cares about each other. Everyone feels unified. And you just don't find that feeling on the internet, which is where most of us are living. And yeah, that's the thing about the protest. And, I, every, and ever since I was at that one, I keep thinking, how can we emulate that feeling? How can we build communities where people feel like this? Because that's what, that's what will save people. Absolutely. That's, but this, we also, I also want to acknowledge we're so lucky in the diaspora to be able to do that and have the freedom to do that because that's what the people in Iran would love to have is the freedom to go out and congregate and be together and fight for a common cause. So the fact that we have that right is is so incredible and we should be so um, grateful grateful for it. Absolutely. They don't have that. That's what they're fighting for. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's important that you bring that up too. Um, What did I miss? Oh, so I have this book, Humans of Humans of New York. You oh, know that I love account? That. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, hold on. Wait, I have it too. I have like the first version of it. Yeah, yeah. So okay, I found one photo okay. of an Iranian 
woman, except you cannot see her face. Okay. Okay? I just want to show the camera. Okay. Okay, it's this one. And then I want you to read the quote. And you'll, I mean, it just made me so emotional. I like to sit alone and think about the world. I wanted to be a philosophy major, but there is no philosophy class in our universities. The only class offered is religion and philosophy. We aren't exactly encouraged to decide things for ourselves. Any philosophy we have must be built on the existence of God. So I switched my major to physics. It still allows me to think about the world. And if someone wants me to say that a thing is true, they need to prove it with a formula. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and so the one, the one photo and quote that I found in that book, you see, you he doesn't even put her face. Yeah. What There's is that? so much fear. There's I mean. so much fear. It's all about fear. That's what they've used to control the country for 43 years is fear, you know? That blew me away. Yeah, that's really cool. That, really interesting. Yeah. People have become, it's become a secular society because people are so fed up with religion, unfortunately. Yeah. They've lost their connection to God for sure in their faith because it's been shoved down down their throats and they've been oppressed by it for 43 years. Yeah. Okay, so. two more things. Okay, go. One, I don't know if you remembered, but I asked you to bring in like a quote or something. Mm-hmm. I didn't bring in a quote, but I just brought someone that I want to talk about. Oh, yeah. Okay. Then, then yeah. What is do the you, thing? If you like quotes, I can do quotes. No, no. It, it could be a person, a quote, an excerpt, anything that stood out to you in the past week that you want to bring to other people's attention. So a 10-year-old boy named Kian Pirfalak was killed this week. He was in the car going home with his dad. And he got shot in the chest. Kion wanted to be an inventor. And because Kion's 10, you know, he grew up with being filmed on, there's all this video footage of him, right? So it's so cool we get to see who this person was. And um, there's this video of him, show, he wanted to be an inventor. And there's this video of him showing this little boat invention that he made. And in Iran, whenever you do anything, you have to start with the, in the name of God, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, in the name of God. And he goes, before he starts the video, he goes, which means in the name of the God of rainbows. And he starts to show his invention and, and, and how it works. And it's so sweet and he, he's become, and, and everybody's been writing all over their Instagram, like, in the name of the God of the rainbow. Just the innocence of this child and also the hopefulness of a rainbow. And the killing of that innocence is, is so significant. And then another thing that he said is somebody asked him, who do you think the luckiest, most fortunate people in the world are? And he said, me and Elon Musk. Oh, my God. I saw the photo I saw the photo. I know yeah. what you're talking about. He said, push back which is like lucky and fortunate. And I think of Elon Musk, who has all you know, this power, and all, all this, this power money. and all the shit show that is Twitter right now. And I think of that little boy who knows nothing of that. He just knows who Elon Musk is. And, yeah. And 
his hopefulness and his innocence and the responsibility that we as human beings in the West, as someone like that Elon Musk with all that power has to that little boy. We have so much responsibility to yeah. these people that are suffering like this. You know, I saw a picture of his dead body, Nicole. Oh my God. If I you, wouldn't you even be able to look at that. You can see a picture of this sweet, sweet child's dead body and the collective trauma that this is going to become for our community is unthinkable. It's yeah. unthinkable. Yeah. I mean, this started with the killing of Massa Amini and now we're hearing about a 10-year-old boy. I mean, can't even and, imagine. And and I think there's like 52 children oh, that have been so killed. Oh, there's so many. That, so. And, and we don't even know the real number because there's... There's, there's no freedom of yeah, press there, in Iran. So we so don't have that. Yeah, but we, you know, the other thing that I want to say is because on the internet, everything is so polarizing and you're either one side or the other. You either love Elon Musk or you hate Elon Musk. And I'm one of these people that it's like, I don't put Elon Musk on a pedestal. He's a human being. Some of the stuff he does is great. Some of it, you know, I don't agree with, whatever. But I did see, um, you know, a show of empathy that, first of all, I wonder if he's seen this about this 10-year-old boy and what he says. And I think it, I think and hope that it would move him um, to say something because that's one of the loudest voices we have, period. And I know he, he sent Starlink to Iran. There I know, was, yeah, there was in the I very know, beginning. Yeah, scene, yeah. I, I know it's, it's not like he hasn't been involved either, but I saw that someone tweeted and asked, look, you brought back Donald Trump. Why don't you bring back... Alex Jones. Do you think that's, you know, that's in in the future of Twitter? And he he wrote back and he said, I had a child, my own child died in my arms. I have no remorse for for anybody who would, you know, who would do that to parents. You know, what mm -hmm. happened with Sandy Hook? He was like a yeah, yeah, of denier course. And, yeah, yeah. and all that. But when I saw Elon write that, I was like, you know what? That's the show of empathy that people need to see. That's yeah, because your humanity exa shows no, in your exa compassion exactly. No, exactly, exactly. But it, it, I do think I've always thought of him as a robot. <laughs> I don't know, like just always a little robotic. Um, so yeah, I mean, sir, you have all of literally all of the money in the world. Yeah, and and that's it. Reminded me of what you said earlier, where it's like. If you just show your compassion towards other people, they'll show it to you. Yeah, for and sure. And that humanized him. When I saw that tweet, I was like, whoever's by his side needs to encourage and amplify that yeah. side of yeah. him. And all of these people, left, left wing, right wing, you know, whatever your position is, if you can just empathize with the other side. And by empathize, I don't just mean feel for them. I mean literally um, one of my mentors is this guy, Chris Voss. He's like a master negotiator, was in the FBI. Uh, he was uh, a hostage negotiator. And one of the things he always teaches me, um, and he just it's in his book, um, he says, empathy is not just understanding the other side. It's repeating what they believe back to them. And then people feel heard and understood. And then their guard, their guard lowers. And that's what people need to do. Absolutely. I mean, that's couples it. therapy will teach you that. Yeah, couples therapy <laughs> will do. so but, important. But, yeah. but what, you know, for 
for whatever reason, I mean, I know the reason people are reading his business book. He has mm-hmm. like, you know, the number one business negotiation book. It's, you know, one of the top master classes on, on master class. And it's a lot of men who are, who are reading this. And I know for a fact that he gets feedback that, hey, this helped me, this advice, this tactical advice helped me in my marriage, in my relationship with my kids. I mean, it's fascinating when you can apply these basic little things to any arena of your life, but especially as as I'm noticing it in the political landscape, the social media landscape, what I just saw with Elon Musk where he showed his humanity in that one moment because a lot of people are just watching him troll, which, look, I, it can be funny sometimes. Other times, I don't know. But, but yeah, that's, that's the one thing. I um, think in a society, Nicole, where, like you said, our brains are constantly working, we're constantly in our heads. We're, like, in our phones, in our heads, not in our bodies and our hearts and our souls, it's so easy to lose touch with our humanity. It's so easy to lose touch with our humanity because we live in a virtual world half the time. And I think that's happened so much in our society. And when a humanitarian crisis like this happens, like what's happening in Iran, honestly, before this crisis happened, I didn't know if I wanted to have kids or not. Wow. And then this happened and I was like, there is nothing more important than that. There Why? just isn't anything more important than human connection. That's it. That's what the world is about. That's all I care about now. I human was so career driven. I was so focused on the next stage of my career and who am I and what's my brand? Who the fuck cares? <laughs> who cares? Yeah. You don't take that to the grave. You don't. You only take your relationships with people, your love for people, your connections with people, and who you are, your kindness, your compassion, your empathy, how you were able to hear someone, how they were able to hear from you. That's all you take with you. And that's all you leave behind of yourself in this world. Guess what? Elon Musk might leave billions and billions of dollars when he dies, but that's not really what he'll be remembered for especially by the people that matter to him. He'll be forgotten in history if he doesn't do good with his heart or do evil with his heart, alternately, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I just think that that's all that matters in this life. I'm not a business person. I'm not, I don't understand any of that stuff, guys. I'm actually kind of dumb. But You're not. <laughs> but I do understand emotional connection, and I do understand how important that is for our growth as human beings and our our joy as human beings and the meaning of life. That's it to me, is connection. It's beautiful, Tara, and it's so true. Um, I grew up in L.A. my whole life. And, you know, when you're here, you realize the people that move here, um, you know, you're very wholesome. A lot of the people that I see that move here to become actresses and models or comedians or anything where the spotlight is on you and the camera is on you, a lot of it that I've seen is driven by a void to be known and seen and heard and all the things people never got as a child and validated. And you see like the hunt 
for women to feel beautiful and the hunt for men to feel successful and be rich and have status and power and all of this stuff. And I see on both ends of the spectrum, none of that makes either side happy. None of it. The only thing that actually makes people happy is this memory they have with their friends, their kids, their spouse, their family, their parents. And then it's amplified when they lose these people in their lives. Oh, my dad died. I didn't get to spend time with him. I was too busy chasing things. Yeah. I couldn't even hear the music. But that's, that's what I saw growing up in L.A. And I remind myself every day because, yeah, I am, I am in a way, you know, very business-oriented and, you know, trying to you know, get the next deal and get on this cap table and do this and my personal brand and whatever, although it's like, you know, it's part of your life. Like, it's that's part of your, it. I mean, I'm not knocking that. No, no, I agree. It's just not number one. It isn't. It isn't because when I go back home, I say this thing, um, you know, I tweeted it. I'm going to just find it and read it as I wrote it because for some reason in writing, everything just sounds so much better and cleaner. I like that you like quotes. Oh, my God. I'm a words person. That's awesome. My entire thing. Uh, my entire thing is words. Um, I wrote, just a reminder that the quality of your life is what it is when the party is over. When you go back home and you turn the, and you turn the lights off right before you sleep, that's the quality of your life, now, not how you feel when you're at an event. And so much of the time, especially when we're scrolling, we're looking at parties we're not invited to, places that other people are going, vacations that they're going on that maybe we can or can't afford, or maybe or we business can't. deals they got, or yeah. jobs they got, or yeah. parts or whatever it Every, is. All of that yeah. stuff, mm -hmm. and then we feel bad because we don't have those things. Fuck that! I have muted every single person, even if it's a best friend. If I see too much of the materialism. Um, events, I'm happy for them, but I don't need that in my face. My friendship with them is not based on who they know or what they're doing or what event they're at. And I am dramatically, significantly happier not knowing those details of other people's lives. And I had a friend who I explained this to, and she goes, well, don't you think you're being a hater? I go, no, because I'm happy for them. I'm happy for them that they have that. But my friendship with them is based on trust and laughter and things that have nothing to do with that. And that's that's the one thing that I see when people congregate in LA. I think about this all the time. It's like people are always trying to find the most important person in the room, the person that can give them the opportunity, but not the person that they can have a connection with, the person they can cry with, the person they can laugh with. Like, where yeah. are those people? That's, That's who you need you're to find. You're totally right. And it's 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 part and parcel with the industry. That happens a lot. Like, in, in the beginning, when I moved to L.A., it was so hard to go to these Hollywood parties because you could tell someone's talking to you, but they're kind of looking over your shoulder Always. for the, you know, whatever. I, I, can, I can go now and go to the parties and kind of laugh it off. But I feel so empty at them. I don't like to go with them to them. I'm not a great networker because I don't really care <laughs> much about. <laughs> I get like, it. Like I get, ex when I see a celebrity that I like at a party, I get excited to meet the first, like I can't play it off. Like yeah, I don't care. Cool, I'm yeah. like, hi, I love you. You know, like I'm just me. That's just who I am. So um, sometimes it doesn't work in this industry, but I don't give a shit because I am who I am. Anyway, but it took it takes a lot to get here. It, it takes eating disorders, which I've been victim to. I, I'm not victim to, I mean, which I've struggled 
with. It takes, you know, um, really bad choices in relationships. Shout out to all my exes. Um, it takes, you know, a lot of therapy to get to this point. You know, like it, it's, it's, and, and lost friendships. I've lost lots of, a few really close friends that I've realized, oh, you are too Hollywood for me. This isn't my vibe. I can't connect like that. That's just not who I am. I think there's this definite distinction between, for me in my industry, I don't know if you have it in yours, there's a definite distinction between being an actor, which is I'm a person that loves to tell stories through characters. That's me. All I want to do in my life is tell stories and play characters and bring people together. That's why I like producing and I like writing. That's what I, that's what I like. But it took me a long time to realize that's what I like. Not the, oh my God, you're so pretty. Oh my God, you're so this. Oh my God, you're so talented. Oh my, I, that's, but that feels good. I'm not going to lie. It feels good. It, feels it validates good. when you, when you go to a party and people know who you are, you know, people want to talk to you, whatever feels good, but that's not what I'm in it for. I'm in it for the art of it. So they're making that distinction's really important, but also recognizing that none of it is worth anything if you have no close relationships and connections in your life. None of it is worth anything. Amen. I wanted to bring up one thing. And you if go. you don't want to talk, if you don't want to talk about it, don't talk about it. But Fine. you mentioned the eating disorders, and I'll tell you why that stood out to me. Because growing up Iranian, mm -hmm. all my life, and all my all my Iranian friends would say the same thing. Yeah, we have been taught to project an image of perfection yeah. of having no problems. It's like. Growing up, everyone just had to hide the fact that they were in therapy. It was like, don't tell anyone because oh, people yeah, are yeah. going to think you're crazy. Divine, like, yeah, Ravoni. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and so, but you very comfortably just mentioned that you have struggled with that. Yeah, I would love for someone who's struggling with it to watch this and know that it's going to be okay. How did you I get to that point? Um, struggling with it my entire life since I like, you know, watching my friends go through it seeing it so clearly in people around me and not being able to say anything because it's so hard for people to talk about and admit. But what is it What is it like, though? Because I don't think I've had eating, of course, body image issues. I think we've all had as women, but what, is, like, what does it look like? It's just a control of food. It's just a control of how much you eat and what you eat and a constant thinking of food and a constant thinking of exercise and a constant thinking of how you look and how much you weigh and, you know, placing your self-worth in that. Yeah. And it, it manifests in many different ways. And some people with eating disorders are bigger. Some people are smaller. Some people just look totally normal and you'd never know, but it's really a way of thinking and it's obsessive and it's destructive and it's um, something that, you, you're just trying to control something when everything feels out of control sometimes. People in really bad relationships often have it, become obsessed with their self-image, exercise obsessively, barely eat. But Or people, there's like orthorexia, which is something that happens a lot in LA where people are so health obsessed. And it's like, no, I have this stomach problem and this thing and that thing and this thing and that thing and that's why I don't eat. No, you have an eating disorder. Yeah. So I see a lot of that stuff and... My best friend is an incredible health and fitness coach, and she is actually the person that got me open to talking about it and, and seeing it and recognizing it and, you know, and all of these things. So I have to shout out my best friend, Jillian Young, who's Jillian Young Barcolo. She's married now, um, <laughs> who taught me about all of these things and made me comfortable talking about it um, before there. And I read this beautiful book um, that she recommended to me. I think it's called 
food is love or something. Um, I'll tell you about it after, but it really helped me recognize my issues with eating. And um, it is something that I like to talk about with women because I think it's something we don't talk about enough. Yeah, I love that you talk about it. Yeah. Um, final question. Okay. So this one is a hypothetical scenario. Okay. Um, I ask it in all my interviews um, with people who's, you know, I mean, I value everyone that I talk to. I think this question should actually be asked of everyone. I think about it all the time. Okay. But I feel like since you're an actress, it's like kind of a nice exercise, maybe a manifestation, who knows. Um, so I find that there are so many messages that people have and so many thoughts and so many things that are important. Um, but it's hard to like narrow down which message is the most important to you. It really is because there's so much I could tell just by talking to you. There's so much that you cared about. I mean, that you care about so much insight that you have. Um, so here's a scenario that I came up with that helps with that. So you're at the Oscars and you're nominated for best actress. And you win. And you walk up to the stage, you get to the mic, you thank everyone, your parents, Iranians, um, the producer, your agent, the first responders. Um, and then there's about a minute left where after that minute, they play this music that's going to cut you off and you know it's coming. But again, this is being recorded. It's likely going to be repeated on YouTube. There are going to be headlines of this moment within that moment. What do you say? I have a question about this. Ask Did me. this happen right now, where we're at in the world right now? Or is it just like in general? Because if it's happening right now, if this was tomorrow, I would look in the camera and I would say, free the people of Iran. The Islamic Republic is a terrorist government holding the people of Iran hostage. Free the people of Iran. That's what I would say now. I want to know the other answer too. <laughs> I'm sorry, even though that's what that's what we would play. I think I would say something to artists, and I would tell people like because I've been inspired by so many people who've gone to the Oscars and won an award, and you know, like what's his name said. Um, I want to thank my parents for the wonderful gift of poverty. Do you remember was that? It, was it? He won, was it? A beautiful life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. Yeah, Roberto, yeah. Roberto Benini. Benini. Yeah. Yes, he said that, and that really affected me in my life because it was just so cool. Speech. Yeah, I, I remember being really touched by that. And there have been so many. And I, I would say, you know, keep going wherever you are in your life. You know, find the the love for yourself first. Hold on to that and keep going. That's, I think, what I would say in general. But other than that, I would talk, probably talk about <laughs> Iran, human yeah, rights in Iran. That's beautiful. I, I seriously think everybody in the world should ask them. Like when I ask that question, I always get a, whoa, because it really makes you think. Yeah, totally. But I think once once you can answer that question, it's almost like you see your purpose very clearly. And then your whole your whole life sort of becomes clear and and you're, and that's your thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like you are. I think my thing would thing would be compassion, 
But at the same time, I but think... But that's compassionate towards other people's yeah, experience totally. that you want them to keep going. I just, yeah, I, I think we give up on ourselves and we give up on each other so much. And I think it's important to keep going when it's hard. I went to a yoga class this morning and I could not get through the class. I felt like really nauseous and anxious and it's hard for me to be away from what's going on in Iran for an hour and a half. It's really sad, but yeah. it's true. And um, I just kept saying to myself, oh, it's okay. Just keep going. Let's keep going. Moment by moment, keep going. And I felt really good at the end of it. So, Yeah, talking to yourself yeah. like that is so important. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Tara Grammy, Thank for coming you, on. Thank that you was for amazing. Me. Thank you. Thanks, guys.